Hey, my name is Elisa Kay, and I'm here to teach you how to rise above the noise and say yes to owning an unforgettable, impact-making business. On this podcast, you'll learn how to harness the power of your unique story and use magnetic marketing tools so that you can confidently own your place in your industry. Get ready to transform your marketing to reach more people and finally feel authentically you online. It's time to grow your business with purpose. This is the Own Your Message podcast. Welcome back to the Own Your Message podcast. Uh, this week, we are back with Casey. Hello. And I have, I feel a little bit bad for Casey because I've sort of given her no context for this episode, but I will tell you why. Because I have been following a really great actually a few accounts, but one that is specific to the one that I want to discuss in today's conversation. It's this specific Instagram account that does deep dives into toxic culture inside of the coaching space. It's run by a former coach and former mentor, and she did marketing and all of the really very similar things to what we do in our business. And the reason I love this account is because she is talking about all of the toxic things that coaches do and all of the toxic marketing traits that I think a lot of people fall into the habit of. And, you know, I don't claim to be the perfect messiah for non-toxic marketing, but this is something that I'm definitely thinking more and more about as we build this business and as we, you know, bring team members on board. And truthfully, behind the scenes, Casey and I always have these really incredible, great conversations. And I thought, why not film it today? <laughs> why not have that conversation <laughs> as if, you know, we were having having it for the first time because we actually are. So today's topic, drumroll please, Casey, because Casey doesn't know, <laughs> <laughs> is how do you build a system that protects you from toxic marketing traits? Ooh, that is a good question. <laughs> Let's discuss it. I would I would all genuinely love to know what your thoughts are as well with this ep episode because I think it's such an such an industry-wide issue and something that as we develop new products and services and things, you know, and we tweak and, and things that I've created in the past, it's something that I really am preoccupied with. Why am I doing this type of marketing or what am I teaching the people? And does it fall into this toxic category? You know what I mean? So, Casey, pop quiz for you. Casey comes from a completely different world of museums and corporations and other, other bits and pieces. What would you say is an example of toxic marketing to your mind? That is a really great question. That's, it's an interesting question because it's not necessarily something I thought about when I was in the museum space or when I was working for um, advertisers or corporations because it's sort of built into the processes. You know, that when you're creating a marketing campaign or an advertising campaign for a large company, it's sort of implied that there are certain things you can't do. And obviously, like, there, people use different techniques and things, um, but you would never say, you would never see, like, Coca-Cola being like, we also sell puppies. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> these are things that, you know, companies know not to do, and there's a lot of legalities behind it um, and things. And so when you, when I'm thinking about that kind of marketing, um, it never really, that whole idea of toxic marketing never really came into play because everyone sort of knew the parameters. 
um, when I joined the service provider freelance role and then into this this world of coaching and uh, business strategy and these smaller entrepreneurial um, companies, it was a really interesting thing because for me it was a bit of a shock because <laughs> there was a lot of things that I sort of took for granted as just givens that weren't happening. Things like um, terms and conditions and 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 promise and and delivering on promises. Um, and it sort of felt like in a way that I could trust Coca-Cola was going to sell me a product that was Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was looking at these programs and these courses, which I loved that there was access to. Um, but I found myself having to question the validity of the person and what they were actually going to deliver. Um, and I think that's a really interesting thing that I had never really had to deal with before. And therefore, I didn't necessarily immediately have the tools in order to address those kinds of things. And, and it makes me think about all of the other people in the industry and all the other people who are, you know, working with coaches um, in the industry. And it makes me worry about uh, the things that the hurdles that we have to overcome as our business, because I know that I'm sh like, I'm sure there are people out there who are selling things, you know, based on what they would like it to be rather than selling the things that they know actually work. Um, and, you know... Oh my God, can we just pause yeah. <laughs> there for a second? How many people do actually sell the things that they think people want that they don't know anything about versus the things that they have tried and tested? Like, this is such a big industry problem, that one that it just pisses me off don't promise things that you have not been through, haven't embodied, etc. And I, you know, in part I say that because you have to be really, really careful to not overpromise. And like the amount of people that say make six figures when I know for a fact that they've never made six figures. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, all of these like money coaches who are like, just do what I do and make a million. And it's like, well, what is it that you did? Yeah, how 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 did you get to your million before you became a money coach? It is a question, and I actually I've fired clients in the past before when they have made audacious promises or things that I just didn't align with because I knew that they were not having you know the the marketing didn't align, and I I will always stand by integrity first, and also education. Like, what makes you qualified to teach on these things? Yeah, and it's interesting because you you start to see in the back end, like what motivates people to start businesses? Hmm. Because, you know, there's people like us who we start these businesses because we feel like we want to help people. And when you start a business from a place of wanting to help someone, then you know exactly how you want to help them. I mean, you may have like not know exactly what the business parameters are, but you, you know what it is you're trying to do. Whereas if you start a business because you want to make money and then you're trying to find ways to make money by helping people it becomes quite obvious because then you're you're doing you know you're trying to do anything and you may not be qualified or you may not even be interested in the thing but as you said it's the it's that motivation of what do i think people will buy rather than what do i know people need 
Yeah, and I think that that's a fine line as well because you know some of the conversations that we've had behind the scenes is that Casey will say, "Well, this is this is a really easy concept to talk about," and I'm like, "No, that's not what people want, though." And we've had these conversations in the past because really, I'm the copywriter. I write the marketing materials. I, you know, I'm I'm the messaging strategist out of the two of us, and it's it's a really interesting thing to to talk about. When Casey's like, mm, you know, well, there's a different way of saying that. Or I don't think that really aligns because, I mean, A, it keeps me on my toes. It means that everything that we put out is really, you know, we've talked about it and we, ma- we make sure that it, it's an integrity with us, which sometimes as you're writing copy and I like, I like to write late at night. So, you know, sometimes that means that I'm not as fresh <laughs> as, as um, I'm ought to be, right? Like if I'm writing a sales page, I will just sit down and I will write it, you know? And when we're doing read-throughs, some of the things we we'll, like we might need to take away, we might need to add things in. And it's an interesting thing hearing someone else's perspective. And one of the best tips I've always given people is read your copy out loud. And does it pass the bullshit test? Like, is this actually what you're going to be teaching in this thing? Or are you just trying to make it prettier or, or make it more marketing friendly? You know, there is nothing worse than buying a thing and then have it be under-delivering. I always think that you want to under promise and over deliver. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. And especially because we do work in an industry that's not necessarily regulated, you know, and so we are going against some people potentially having bad experiences with previous, with previous coaches or, you know, service providers. And, you know, not to say that everyone is bad out there or anything. And, you know, it, it could be a very small percentage, but you, we are going to have those clients who, you know, are looking for that validation that they're not going to get ripped off. And I think it's it's that extra hurdle that we need to keep in mind that other industries don't necessarily have to deal with. Yeah, definitely. And I think the amount of people that message me after they've taken a workshop or something from us and they're like, there's just so much value there. And I, when I started in this industry, that always used to be really surprising to me because I'm like, of course there is. It was on the sales page. (laughs) I told you I would give you these things and you have these things. And then I added an extra bonus because, you know, I enhance whatever your experience is. But then the more I started investing and the more I got into the toxic culture of, spend this money and you will learn my magic six-figure system to do x y and z the more i realized that oh it's just a facebook live (laughs) with no steps and no workbook and no (laughs) nothing and i feel like is this really it what's going on you know yeah yeah and i've i've heard of examples of people changing the sales page after they've closed cart as well so like selling products based on one thing you buy the product then what is delivered isn't what was on the sales page. So you go back to the sales page to check and it's been changed. Um, And that's like, you know, I mean, sometimes things happen, right? I know that as part of the industry, a lot of times people say like, if you're you're building a course, for example, that you um, build the course as you go. So you don't, you might not necessarily have all the materials on day one when your cart closes and that's okay and sometimes things happen you know we had a situation a few months back where there was a family emergency and the day that things were supposed to go live didn't quite you know it it got a bit too stressful and we had a really long conversation around is it okay to push this two days you know like we've promised that the people that we would deliver this thing on this day 
Um, but obviously, like, there was extenuating circumstances. And so we had a big, long conversation about what that means to push two days, you know. Yeah, and... because I had a full major panic. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, this is not a big deal. And I yeah. was like, no, it is. We have to be in integrity with our customers. It is a big deal. We have to deliver on the on the, t- the day that we said we would deliver. Um, and the reason I'm mentioning this is because Casey's making it sound all very, like, juju and, and, and pretty <laughs> with a bow. But that was a genuine major freak out and I think that because the reason I'm bringing this up is because I see so many people post in the Facebook groups and I think one of my major fears as a business owner if we're getting really candid is being called a scammer or being called unqualified or giving people the wrong education around these things which obviously I understand that my education is going to be subjective to what I've gone through etc but I just I really I have genuinely this I wouldn't call it an anxiety or even a fear. I have this niggle at the t- at the back of my head, and we've talked about this with Casey because I tend to over over educate. <laughs> <laughs> like I just want to make sure that every single angle is covered, and I want to make sure that every single learning style is covered, and I want to make sure that it's all great, you know? Because I have invested so much money in the past in things that haven't been great. And to be honest, I'm not saying like I've never really been scammed by an educator and I've never had a really truly horrible experience in a program like a lot of my friends have you know so I I feel like I've been quite lucky in that because I'm I don't know I can just suss out I I think I'm, I'm better placed intuitively to suss out the things that I just don't think will work for me and I always get whatever lesson I need out of each investment even if it's not the one that I was expecting you know so but I also think that sometimes we get so hyped up into the marketing of the thing and you you know if you listen to our our lesson on burnout or our our podcast rather on burnout particularly when you're in that cycle stress and someone's telling you like let's say you've been launching forever and ever and you are on the on the latter end of I'm just so exhausted I cannot spend like we added it up last year we launched SEA it took us 147 hours to pull together that promotion 147 hours to do the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because, you know, as entrepreneurs, we don't really think about that. We don't really think about our days in terms of hours that we spend in things. And that's why I thought it was an important exercise that we do because our hours are valuable. Mm. And so it's what is the what is the money we're spending in time yeah, on definitely. these projects that we're doing. And, like, you know, 147 hours is what I estimated <laughs> The things that would take us, and I don't actually think that we did properly time track to the end. No, we didn't. Yeah. Um, but a, like, that's what I, when I talk to clients, and I'm like, "Do you have 147 hours to do something like a three part series, and then show up in the Facebook group, and then answer emails, and then give value, and then do pop up lives? Like, it's it's a it's a time commitment to do that level of work, and you can choose to run your business differently." And, you know, you'll spend that 147 hours doing something else that is as equally important and just a different type of campaign. But what I see tends to happen, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because you spent 147 hours doing this promotion. Maybe the things didn't go as well as you'd hoped or it went really well, right? Either way, it either went really well and now you're overwhelmed because you're like, oh my God, fuck, I have to do this again and I have to do it better. 
I like problem number one. And that's a really great problem to have, by the way. <laughs> Or problem number two, what I, the other end of the, of the spectrum is that you spent 147 hours, you were banking on that cash coming in and it, it hasn't come in. And that's a reality too. You know, if your messaging's off or, or whatever, or you didn't nurture the people or you went into launch free fall, like there are different things that could happen over that period of time. So what tends to happen then is you see specifically like money coaches and manifestation coaches and people with spiritual business-based things. And by the way, this happens in every single niche. I'm giving you this example because this is one that is relevant for, I think, a lot of people in this industry. This tends to happen in every single niche, right? But I'm, I'm specifically thinking about You know, if you are in burnout and you're and you really need to talk to, to a therapist, but you're seeing a money coach go, have the day like I have. You know, I woke up and then I had a nap immediately after I woke up and then I worked <laughs> for 20 minutes because I put on my makeup and I filmed a reel and everyone shit a million dollars into my account in just six weeks. And you can have that same life too if you buy my money codes. Again, that's one specific example. How I could do you one in marketing, in fitness, in health, in every single niche, right? Yeah. But the one that I'm thinking of specifically is the one that I really fell for, the one that got me into debt was buying a course like that. Yeah, there's nothing I hate more than seeing ads for courses that are like, In five minutes a day, you too can make a million dollars. And it's like, I, I guess maybe feasibly, possibly, but are you like, what kind of, it, say that's possible, but what kind of business are you running? You know, is it a business that's aligned? Is it an ethical business? Is it a, like, what, what is it that you're doing that you're making a million dollars in five minutes a day? You know, and, and so not to say like, that's not possible but it just drives me nuts when like I'm scrolling through Facebook and every ad is a different coach promising that I too can make the millions that they have made simply by doing this one thing every day and nothing else and you know I'm all for efficiencies and automations and helping businesses not spend so much time doing things that they you know manually that could be done but I mean Maybe I'm too realistic, but five <laughs> minutes a day is, I don't think I can read an email and respond appropriately in five minutes a day. So that feels to me like, like you were saying, when someone's in burnout and they're like, I just, I just need time. I just need something that's going to help me, you know, then they're going, they're more likely to purchase these kinds of courses or these programs or these sessions or coaching or whatever it is. And then that's unfortunately not going to help them with their situation that they're in and if anything it could create financial strain yeah definitely and I think you know it's, it's it's beyond the financial strain though I think it's just this unawareness and the thing that really personally upset me is that I reached out to a few like money mentors for the for the bundle last year and they were like you know I'm just first of all I don't comment on political issues sorry, you're making millions of dollars selling mindset and manifestation and you're not interested in helping society when disasters strike? Yeah. <laughs> like facepalm, you know what I mean? Like mind-blown emoji. And I genuinely stopped following a few really big 
mentors of mine because I was like, that is not an appropriate response. I don't care how how much, you know, how painful it is to learn of disasters, but I want to know. And by the way, we, we actually just woke up with the news that a really huge earthquake struck Turkey and Syria and Libya, right? Yeah, I think so. And Libya as well. Um, and I'll link down some resources in the show notes if you want to donate and help because it's a really huge disaster that's going to affect a lot of people. And if the earthquakes keep happening, it's going to create tsunamis for places like Cyprus and other places in Europe as well. So it's not just, oh, this one bad thing happened in like the east over there. Um, it's it's going to keep affecting Europe and it's going to keep... I mean, ultimately, the more aid we send to these places, which is necessary, is going to affect us too. So as a consumer, if you don't understand what is going on in the world, because you're not, you know, reading news, or you're obliviously living in your manifestation bubble, where you just, you know, write a post on Instagram, and then have a bath, and then go and orgasm with your yoni egg, and then you come back... (laughs) And then you're like, oh, why is the why is the cucumber in the supermarket now three pounds instead of one? You don't understand the global context. And I think this is really silly and it's terrible advice. I think there's a responsibility for us to for the flip side as business owners um, who may not, you know, you may not even realize that you're participating in toxic marketing. If, you know, you're if you're buying someone's swipe copy and just using Mm. it straight straight up as like the next big thing. But I think there's a responsibility as a business owner to think about what what does your business stand for? What are you willing willing to accept and what would you expect if you were your customer or your client, what kind of treatment would you expect and what and making sure that you're clear on all of those things and that you're potential clients and customers are clear on all of those things that you're not hiding your fine print in the hopes that no one will ever find it you know and in that you're not burying your head in the sand to think that no one will ever want a refund from you i think it's important to think about what are your refund strategies what are your you know what is your stance on if someone has a bad experience, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to ignore them? Are you going to publicly shame them, which sometimes happens? Oh, my God, don't get me started. Right. <laughs> yeah. Casey has listened many a rant about, like, mean girl culture, particularly people who are, who talk about how they have ascended because they have been bullied all their life and then they're bullying other entrepreneurs online. Like, make it make sense. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, thinking about... What is it that your company stands for? Mm, it's so important. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's everything in moderation, right? I'm not saying you have to now open the news and watch it 24-7 and you have to become beacon of ethical business practices and da-da-da-da. But what I'm saying to you is these really basic things that in normal business culture are a given are not in the coaching industry and when I see conversations around well we shouldn't you know we shouldn't have guidelines and we shouldn't have people be pulled up and we shouldn't have any type of um, a watchdog right sure I can see how having a problematic watchdog look over policies that's a that is a problem that's a problem on a higher scale but also the majority of the people that preach no you know ftc guidelines da 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 are the people that don't have terms and conditions on their sales pages and are the people that don't have 
refund policies that, by the way, are illegal. You cannot not have a refund policy. You have to have terms and conditions on every single funnel, on every single thing that you have that you're selling. And and if you are trading with people in Europe, guess what? You need to have a GDPR policy too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think it these kinds of things can get difficult and complicated and you know no one really wants to talk about legal issues but as business owners we have a responsibility to to know about these kinds of things and to to learn about these kinds of things so that we are delivering not just you know n- not just what's good but also legal requirements for these for these kinds of things i mean we you know, it, people talk about your zones of genius and how do you stick to your zones of genius, and that is great. But there are some legal requirements around owning a business that just have to be. And, you know, unfortunately, we can't just be entrepreneurs and ignore the things that we are not just legally beholden to, but things that we should be uh, offering or paying attention to for our customers or clients. This is such a great point. And I think that a lot of people will say, well, it's just not in my zone of of remit to be able to sit down and do terms and conditions. But I have a newsflash for you. My brain doesn't work that way either. And I didn't have budget to be able to outsource that. So I bought some terms and conditions. I sat down with a bunch of YouTube videos and you bet your little butt that I did do that. And I, you know, edited them. And then I got as soon as I had budget, as soon as I got my first project, I hired a lawyer to look over those things. But the bare basics and the bare minimum, I think, are like legal protection for yourself, first and foremost, and for your clients, too, right? It's important to have really, really clear policies. And I think that the toxic marketing culture stems from people ignoring these really basic business principles and thinking that they are somehow magically exempt from them. Like, one again, I will repeat what I say very often to all my clients. You chose to be a business owner. You chose to have these problems. And they are great problems to have. But they are also your responsibility. When you signed up to be a CEO, that's what you signed up for. That's why employees are employees and CEOs are CEOs, because we have to deal with a bigger remit of problems. Yeah. And taking that into outside of our remit and into like larger industries. I mean, whenever there's big, huge scandals in major corporations, it's always the CEO that steps down. What do you think? The likelihood that that CEO actually knew about the thing that happened is probably very small, but it's the, at the end of the day, it's their responsibility because it is their company. Yeah, definitely. And they are leading, right? They're the head of that leadership team. So if you're okay with cutting corners, with doing things last minute, with not having proper links, with not double checking things, with not, I'm trying to think of other, of you know, things that we've pulled our team upon, Casey, and maybe you can interject here, but like with having links be in the wrong order or videos not edited to the uh, standards or SOPs not followed, like that's not something I'm going to just let slide because if it happens on like a VA level, it's going to happen as we build our leadership team. And I'm not, you know, I've, I've built teams before, so I know you cannot do that. You cannot be lax on these things that seem little, but they foster toxicity and they foster poison in your culture. Yeah. And that's not to say that people can't make mistakes. Of course, mistakes <laughs> mistakes are happen. <laughs> but 
you know, there has to be a level of accountability, a level of accountability within your in within your company. So making sure that things are being done to the best of their abilities, um, a level of accountability to your customers and your clients and a level of accountability to your potential customers and clients. Because even those people who are maybe watching your free content and maybe have never purchased anything from you, they're still seeing something. They're still seeing that promise that you're giving them. And so it is. there is a level of accountability that you need to put in those promises that you can eventually deliver if they choose to become paying customers and clients. Yeah, and also being open for criticism and being open for actually implementing the feedback that people give you. Like in um, in SCA, for example, we were going to record a module on launching and the questions that kept coming up were around launching your first product. So I said to the people like, hey, like I know I promised you this. Do you mind or do you want to? us to record a module that is a bit more specific to this one specific thing and everyone said yes which is why we then recorded the module on this specific thing so to go back to that conversation of you know the sales page might have said might have been a bit broader in the description of that module but once we actually got into the container and we listened to customer feedback we were like actually yeah we can we can do an overview lesson of this but to go deeper and give the people what they actually need to succeed it's actually this thing so the company policy there is you know what we're going to adjust course and we're going to do do the things that our customers actually want yeah and I think that's a really big distinction between that versus promising something that you don't really know how to deliver. Yeah, a hundred, a hundred thousand gazillion percent. And I would say that one of one of the prideful things that I've developed in in the company pre Casey coming on board is I take all of my teaching materials really seriously, and I want to make sure that I give people the right education and and the education to equip them to be successful. And I give them the things that I know I would have wanted and would have needed at that stage of business where they're at. And I think that that's a really um, unique thing at this point in the industry. And it's something that I'm really passionate about changing because it shouldn't be unique. And I actually genuinely think we've had these conversations that a, a big part of that is the education that I've had. You know, I've got a, a bachelor's in literature, um, a master of humanities, and I really do take education seriously. I used to tutor kids for a living, right? That was my first business. It was a tutoring agency. So I've spent so many of my years in life teaching people. And I believe that, you know, a lot of coaches and a lot of professionals don't have that experience. So they don't understand how to teach and how to deliver deliver a concept and how to actually tie those points together. Um, and I think, you know, I'm very passionate about hiring people who are educated too. Not that you can't have, you know, life education and experience in other ways. But I, I've, you know, education and certifications and qualifications matter to me. Um, and I, they matter to me because loads of those institutions actually teach you how to teach and how to deliver and how to think. And I find that people who don't have a quote-unquote traditional education, they have a completely different set of skills to to bring to the table, which is absolutely fantastic. And you do want to have, you know, different learning styles and different things to, br to bring into your company, 100,000%. But also, a lot of the time, I have to teach them how to teach. Yeah, because that's the skill you learn through qualifications and education, is how to teach. 
And I think that part of the toxicity of the coaching and marketing space is over-promising and under-delivering. So they will say, they will give you big promises and they'll say that it's all so easy. And I'm like, okay, business can be easy. We make it complicated because our emotions get, you know, tangled up. And it's not, it's, for me, it's not hard to record a podcast or create a piece of, or create a funnel. Like that's not a hard thing for me to do or even for Casey to do, I don't think. But what we find hard and challenging it's usually when things aren't going our way and we've been promised the system that's going to take us from A to Z. And I promise you that when I take people through like a sales script, let's say, and I'm like, use these questions, they will make your life better. They do genuinely make that person's life better. But if I don't say to them, don't adjust the language, they will sound like an Elisa clone, which is not what I want. I want them to take the materials that I am giving them and adjust them make them their own, give, you know, I want to give them the blueprint that's worked for me and teach them the skill of then maneuvering the languaging and massaging it to fit them, which is not something necessarily that I did at the beginning of my business. I would just say, take the script, run with it. These are the questions. They can only be these questions, you know, versus now, I think once I've had some education and some, you know, exploration around toxic marketing and toxic practices from like the bro dog culture of a certain tech companies that we won't mention on this podcast, because we're not going to give them airtime. Um, <laughs> But I think that's what changed for me is understanding that actually I don't want people to be Elisa clones. And it's from a testimonial, actually, is when when that clicked for me. Um, I worked with a really amazing designer and, and she said something like, Elisa isn't interested in making Elisa clones, which is why I loved working with her. And I was like, that's so true. And isn't all online education and courses just making clones of each other? Yeah. Yeah. So Elisa... I have a question for you. Please ask away. <laughs> how can someone who maybe, how can someone avoid uh, accidentally even, say, participating in uh, toxic marketing? That's a really great question and one that I'm wrangling with right now. I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's possible to fully avoid anything particularly if you're living in the construct of that society, aka, like, we live in a capitalist society. So even if you wanted to live by non-capitalist rules, the ability for you to be a full functioning human would be pretty impossible if you read any, you know, psychology or philosophy. So I think the question itself isn't necessarily, it doesn't lend itself to the, to the right, quote unquote, answer, right? But I think what I have started to do is to give myself a check <laughs> whenever I'm doing any type of marketing campaign. I'm like, would I want to have this experience or would I not? There are certain things that, you know, some people will say are toxic that I don't agree with. I think that we as humans do need deadlines. I do think that, you know, um, doing things like a payment plan, I think that's fine open up a payment plan on the last day of your launch if that's what you want to do. That's not a toxic to me, right? Um, toxic practice to have a countdown timer. Now, what I would say is that might feel toxic to you though. You might not like countdown timers. They might make you anxious or they might, you know, create a, a response in, in your brain chemistry. And that's okay. I think that also means 
you have to be okay with pissing people off and doing things that people might not be comfortable with. But if I spent all my my life thinking about how to make other people happy, we would not have a business, you know? <laughs> so I have to be okay with the things that we're putting out at the time of us putting them out and maybe giving myself that room to change my mind later on. Like, I don't necessarily want to open up cart with an extended payment plan because sometimes we don't know whether we want to have an extended payment plan. It just depends on how the launch is going to go. Like sometimes maybe the business needs cash and that's not something that we are able to do. Like this last launch that we did, we talked about doing a scholarship and we were like, we're not really sure that we can afford to give people scholarships. So we didn't make a big deal out of that campaign. And when we opened it up towards the end of the launch, it was because we were like, actually, no, we can't afford to do this. Um, and that's not, and I think a lot of the time, sometimes people will say, well, that's really toxic. And don't get me wrong, if your business makes gazillion dollars of, of money a month, and you know you can afford to do an extended payment plan, or you can do, I don't know, a scholarship, let's say, then I think you should be upfront about it. But I think sometimes people make these decisions, not because they're trying to be toxic or not because they're trying to create false FOMO, but because, you know, we have deadlines because we have a welcome call. We might have bonuses. We might have things that we need to deliver. And I don't want to have to onboard new people all the time. That's not something that I enjoy doing, which is why a business doesn't work that way. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the other thing that I would say is also educate yourself. Like, why do these practices that you adopt exist? You know, like, for example, one of the ones that I see the most often is like a um, deadline, right? Well, the reality is, is that I used to be a service provider that used to have all my services on my webpage. By me not giving people a deadline to sign up or a reason to, people usually just left it for later, they're like, oh, yeah, I will do that later. I will do that later. And in fact, as we were going through a rebranding process, the amount of designers that I have saved on my in my book box bar is insane. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have that problem. You know, so even like look at your Amazon wish list, right? How many how many products have you actually gone back and ordered from your wish list? Deadlines are important, in my opinion, and they're and I don't think they are toxic, quote unquote. Um, some people, that freaks them out. And obviously, if you work with clients who are, let's say, neurodivergent or the majority of your audience is neurodivergent and you know this, and then I'm not an educated person in this area, even though, you know, I'm trying to implement practices that are ethical and that are inclusive, etc. But if you know, let's say, you know, that all of your clients are ADHD, because that's what we're talking about. I'm talking, I'm reading ADHD 2.0. ADHD uh, right now. It's a great book. Check it out. Um, and let's say that the, the, your clients all exhibit those symptoms, right? You would then create your business practices to help people like that, you know, to enhance their experience versus to freak them out and, and make their nervous system destabilizing. And I really think that it depends on a case by case, business by business. Um, what's the word for it? Business by business case, right? Yeah. The other thing that I would say as well is that let's say that you are a nine to fiver, right? And you want to create this business and, you know, you're going to make business policies that are going to be different to us. So I just think it's just about checking in with yourself. And like one of my favorite, we just did um, a few weeks ago, the the Maven's welcome call for our membership. 
and my general house policy was like, don't be a dick. <laughs> and what I mean by that <laughs> is like, you know, don't be spammy, don't solicit people, don't DM them. Like all of these things that to me are really obvious. But Casey was like, no, we have to write out the policies. And I'm like, that's so boring. She's like, <laughs> I will write that slide. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, to me, the things that are obvious, sometimes you do need to put them down as, as a pen on paper situation to be really crystal clear with yourself. What are the toxic behaviors and what are the toxic practices that you don't like? And also recognize that it's your job then to f think of a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you run a community or you have any sort of spaces, mm. you know, it becomes your responsibility to have a safe space. Yeah, and I think also the other thing that you need to think about is how are those practices featuring in your campaigns? And as we think about, you know, the next iteration of what, what we're doing with clients, one of the, the things that we are super preoccupied with is how can you build in those non-toxic practices into your ecosystem? How can you start to design programs and courses and inbuild those processes into that that process and into your wider business to make sure that you do have, you know, a safe space, a community. And I'm not saying that we are perfect, by the way, far from it. And I understand that it's not, you know, my customer's job to tell me what they need. And, you know, it sort of sometimes saddens me when someone doesn't feel like they can reach out, you know, to a big entrepreneur or whatever and ask for those inclusions. And it shouldn't be their job. But also, there are just some things that business owners are ignorant with, and you can start to implement non-toxic habits based on what it is that you feel you want to implement. What is it that feels good to you? And it's, that's where we start with every single client we work with. It's what is the thing that you want to build and how can we create that system for you and the strategy to make sure that you are not falling into the toxic hustle, you know, bro marketing the word that I'm looking for is I'm translating it from Russian. It's swamp, right? It's like the swampy, green, icky, smelly swamp of bullshit that you don't want to touch. You want to bypass that. And, it, you know, in, in many ways, the strategy that you choose to go with in your business, whatever that may be, when you build out your marketing plan, your system, you know, the assets that you need, the departments that you want to create, the things that you as a CEO have to do, and the things that you can start to outsource or think about outsourcing, like all of those things and policies can have an inbuilt feedback loop and feedback, you know, system to tell you, am I veering into that, you know, green smelly swamp or am I following what I want to follow and, and am I tooting to, you know, the beat of my own drum almost? Like a lot of the time we swipe these systems and these processes from other people without even thinking hmm, do I align with that? Do I want to send people five emails on, on cart close day? My answer to that is yes, I do. <laughs> I do. For other people, that might not be the case. And that's okay. Yeah, that's because you really love to write emails. <laughs> <laughs> yes, also, but as a buyer, I am a last minute buyer. I have always been all my life. And we can talk about like the implications of why that is. But so I appreciate when other entrepreneurs remind me because it means that it's not that I didn't want to buy the program or the workshop or the bundle or whatever it may be. I just might have forgotten or I might have ha have it, you know, have it open in a tab 
somewhere in the thousand and one tabs that I have open, and that's okay. So I appreciate those reminders. I know that some people don't, and that's okay. And, you know, there is the conversation to be had around how can we build in systems. This is what I, Casey and I geek out about, to then make sure that we are catering to different types of buyers. But ultimately, you know, it is what you will feel comfortable with and how you want to show up for your business that is going to inform a lot of those processes. And there isn't a right or wrong way. It's just what makes you feel comfortable and what makes you feel good. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, if you if you only do the things that feel good for you, then you're doing the best you can to avoid these kinds of practices, I think. And I think because at the end of the day, we're not perfect and we may inadvertently write an email that makes someone feel like they've been pressured into something hopefully not but you never know how someone you know might take something and that's okay I think being kind to ourselves and saying like you know we'll never be perfect but one of the things that Elisa teaches when she's talking about marketing and and content creation is always knowing what the purpose is of the thing that you're writing because if you know what why you're writing something or what the purpose is, then no matter what you write, it's not empty, shallow nothingness that trying to get someone to buy, you know, kittens <laughs> for the sake of buying kittens. Um, it's, you know, you know that if you know what you're selling, if you know what your offer is um, and you know what value you bring to your customers and you communicate that, then you know, no matter what you write, you're pretty much safe from toxic marketing practices. Yeah, 100%, because it just, it really does stem from what, what it is that you feel comfortable in. And, you know, I, I might reread some emails from like two years ago, and I'm like, why did I write that? Or why did I phrase it that way? And it might not be the way that I would write something now. But at the end of the day, we're all on a journey. And all you can give yourself is that grace to understand, okay, well, maybe something that I wrote or did, you know, I don't fully align with. But that just means it's growth. And, you know, it's not so much to, to go into cancel culture. But if I lived in the fear of saying something wrong and, and it haunting me, I wouldn't create any content. At the end of the day, you just have to do the best that you can in every single moment and know that that's good enough for now. What we are focusing on, though, is building that ecosystem and that feedback loop to make sure that Whatever it is that we're doing, we have inbuilt practices that make us feel good. And I think that every single business owner can be doing that and thinking about what are some of the things that we can we can do to make our lives easier. I love that. And I love feedback. Yes. <laughs> I, I love a good survey. But I love it when people email us and say, hey, like, I don't use this kind of, you know, for example, I don't use Google. Um, and I see that you've created a Google form. Is there an alternative way? And the answer, of course, could be yes. You know, I'm, I'm, I love getting that kind of feedback because it helps me uh, tick a box that I didn't even know I needed to tick. And now in the future, I'll always have those boxes ticked mm -hmm. and we'll always be slightly more accessible. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, being open to that kind of feedback and not just open, but welcoming of that kind of feedback helps me. It makes my life easier. It means I don't have to you know, always know everything all the time, if people feel comfortable to come to me and say, hey, you know, I need it in a better and a more accessible format to me. 
Yeah, definitely. And it's not like, well, what I see a lot of people say, well, it should have been really clear to you when you signed up on my sales page. If you scroll down to 5,000 words in, it says that I will only create the resource that I want to create because I am too lazy to create it in a different format. I'm like, how is this a legitimate business practice? And how do you have people buying your stuff? Because if I was that, I don't, I don't even, you know, I can't even imagine ever saying that to a client and not accommodating what they would want or not even like creating a PDF or whatever. Like that's just, that just seems really insane to me. And I think again, it, it goes back to who are the people that you're following and what are the values that they're exhibiting? If they're telling you, you can, you know, manifest your dream life by doing nothing and being inaccessible and da 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 da. Like there is now stuff online that you can go and investigate and you can go and make those healthy buying decisions. And I think a lot of the people that have those bad business practices are going to have a really rude awakening in the next few years because, you know, the industry is not going to stand for it and it's not good enough anymore to say to your clients on a sales page, I will only be delivering this training in this way. Well, what about the other millions, you know, millions of people that need you to accommodate to them? Are you creating basically a, you know, a company that doesn't factor in inclusion? And if that's your policy, then like, I don't want to work with you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. And I think you as a consumer have a choice to make. Are you going to, number one, support businesses that have those shitty policies, no terms and conditions, no, you know, I don't know, people jump through loops loops and hoops to cancel memberships and et cetera, right? Are you going to support businesses like that? Or are you going to think about what are the, the accommodations that this business owner is making and, you know, what are their qualifications? What are those things? What are they actually delivering? That's thing number two. And number three, what type of business owner do you want to be? Do you want to be the type of business owner that creates their ecosystem with customers in mind? Because that's what I want to be. And that's what I'm doing. Love it. Okay, so thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I would love to know if you've made it this far. DM me the word toxic. <laughs> and we can have a Britney Spears party <laughs> in, in the Instagram DMs. Uh, but I want to know, actually, what is the most toxic thing or behavior that you have experienced in this industry? Uh, because the more and more I talk to people, the wilder the stories get. So I would love to know what are some of the things that you have experienced so that we can keep keep a running list um, and I will make them make them public to make sure that some of these behaviors might not even be clear to other business owners. So let's make them public and I want to just get to know you better. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast this week. Hope you have an unforgettable day and I'll speak to you next time. stuck in a loop of cookie cutter content feeling like you can't find your voice or the confidence to show up authentically good news magnetic mavens is here to help you be unforgettable our membership will get you to break free from the monotony of copycat content and find your unique power story in this membership you'll create a consistent writing habit to stay ahead of your content creation and take back control of your plan without any of the overwhelm it's time to leave the bland and boring content behind and own your message with integrity and fun. Join the Magnetic Mavens today. Head to alisa-k.com forward slash magnetic to register right now.